Hey, this is Glenn with another episode of Difficult Questions. This one, why are we bad at being social? This question comes on the back of Andrew Cuomo and his greetings of women, and it comes on the back of gender identity and preferred pronouns, and just this general tension that we have when interacting with each other. And this general tension has really come about and been been really in the forefront of our minds in the past, let's say, four years, starting with Me Too and this, this calling out of these, these social interactions. And why are we so bad at this? Why, why we've been greeting each other, we've been interacting with each other for millennia. So why are we always struggling with this and and I don't want to uh, insult anybody because as David Goggins says, we're all messed up, just some are better at hiding it. And I really think that that is at the crux. You know, we all have insecurities, we all have things we want in life, we all have things that are giving us trouble. And of recent, in the past four or so years, really all that, people have just been pushing that forward. And I think, I say it's like we're living a real life movie of The Breakfast Club, where everybody in the cast doesn't trust one another, and they all have these internal struggles and external struggles, and they all want to share them. And it, just like the Breakfast Club, the, the standard, the, the rules of, of, of social engagement that we have set forth have been, they, they, they embody the school teacher that's there for the Saturday school, right? Why can't you just follow the rules? We have established these rules. And these rules have become comfortable to people that have accepted them. Whether or not they're comfortable with them themselves, it's just a way to move through life. Because in any social interaction, I broke it down. We have our priorities, what we need out of this social interaction. We have our expectations and the power level we perceive. So who am I meeting? Am I meeting a boss? Am I meeting a homeless person? Am I meeting someone that's going to try to hit on me? Right? We have these expectations and we have this perceived power level of, well, I'm above them or under them or equal to them. Then we we have our flags, right? Uh, These are our the, the deductive reasoning, visual cues that we use to, to, to perceive who these people are. So whether they could have tattoos, whether they're dressed for a night out, whether they're in a business suit, whether they're in coveralls, um, whether they walk with a limp, you know, all, all of these things that we just consciously and unconsciously bring into this interaction. We're we're carrying that. And then we have the last two things, what we say 
and what we do and how, how we greet each other. So it could be, hello, thank you, sir, right? It could be, what's up? And then it could be this fist bump. It could be a handshake. It could be a hug. It could be different types of hugs. And that all depends on, on all of the stuff that we've just perceived beforehand. And there's no guarantee that what you perceive is what the other person perceives. And I think there's the friction. And so we've, society has built in these expectations. You know, we started with the handshake when I was growing up. And then that got, because we had people that were concerned about germs, we got to the fist bump. But a fist bump means something different to me. And because of the, the way I grew up. So you never know what, what, what people are bringing to this interaction. And I think in the past four years, we have been pushing what we bring to that interaction ahead of us and creating anxiety for ourselves. I grew up with all of these etiquette rules and especially these etiquette rules for men versus women. So for as a man, for women, you open doors for them. Ladies first. Uh, you pull chairs out for them. You have all this chivalrous action. But as a, a feminist from the 90s, and if people are equal, I had problems kind of figuring out in my mind how this can be, this is equal and you're supposed to do these chivalrous things. I couldn't, I couldn't relegate equal and special. I couldn't make it work in my head. And I always had these, these problems. And especially with showing someone respect. You know, it, it seemed that to show someone respect, it was, uh, if it was a woman, society wanted you to put it in relation to whether or not they were married or not. So do they have a wedding ring? Uh, is it ma'am? Is it miss? Whereas men, it's just, yes, sir, no matter the age, no matter the marital status. Is it Ms.? And all of this, I, I, just, I just wanted to give you respect. How can I just say, we are equal. I don't care your marital status. I don't care that you're a woman. I just want to give you respect. So I started opening doors for everybody, men and women. I started pulling chairs out for everybody. I started, because we're all equal, right? And that's where I hit this this impasse. It's like, if we're all equal, then we are all equal. And because of that, I, I ran into complications. Because I didn't want people to prejudge me, and I wanted to start at equal, and for me, everything is about what you do, not what you are. That's just the way that I kind of came about my comfort in my world. I decided that no one was going to be able to, to guess what I was. I dressed as plainly as possible, don't have any tattoos. I would make my hair not unique at all. And I would try to just take away all of, all of these cues. But I can't get away from the way I look. And I either look like, it's usually to older women, I look like a handsome young man or to a lot of people, I look like a Nazi serial killer. I look like a threat because I'm six foot two and I have 
these square features on my face and I don't smile much or I didn't smile much. So I was this obvious threat. And because of that, I didn't want to throw any more threatening flags people's way. In fact, I went the opposite route. In my 20s, I decided I was going to wear message tees that were definitive, definitively meant for a different demographic, especially if they were for women. So I, my dancer friend had a girly girl shirt. I want that girly girl shirt. However, she told me where she got it, and it was at a women's boutique. So now we get into this social interaction where myself, the six foot two man, and his friend, another six foot one man, walk into a women's boutique with one woman working at the store, and we're looking at this girly girl shirt, and I'm talking with him and seeing if it'll fit me. And it's a girl cut shirt. And I go to the boutique manager and I ask, do you have this in a regular cut? And she looked horrified. Why is this Nazi serial killer man in my store trying to buy this girly girl shirt talking about how it fits? So I automatically, because I'm trying to be unique, I think I'm making the social interaction difficult just because of what I'm doing. And this is what we run into all of the time. I wanted to go through some of the strategies that we have for social interactions. Cigarettes. I had a friend that talked about how when she smoked, she felt no matter what, she had something to do. And this was before smartphones. So when she had a cigarette in her mouth, she didn't feel dumb, like she was just doing nothing. But then when she stopped smoking, all of a sudden she had nothing to do with her hands and she felt like an idiot, which is her perception, not the world's perception. A lot of times with young women, especially if you're an attractive young woman, you are concerned with men hitting on you all the time. I think this is why women wore wedding rings in the past, because then if you wore a wedding ring, men weren't supposed to hit on you and you could at least take that anxiety away from you, hopefully. So I notice now young women especially use their phones to never make eye contact. Don't talk to me. Just don't talk to me. Don't talk to me. If I don't want to talk to you, I will be looking at my phone. If I want to talk to you, I will not look at my phone. And I think this has been the, the, a social blocker. It's a tool that we now use to get over our, our anxieties and to, to control some of these, these social interactions. My friends, when I was in my 20s, they would talk about ways to meet girls, right? Because there's always this thing of uh, when you're a young man, it's, how do I meet women? I want to meet women. And I think I'm not a woman, so I don't quite know, but I think this as a young woman, it's how do I meet men? Well, I make myself open and available to men, for men to approach me. So then how do men approach you? And one of the things that my friend said is you got to get a dog because you meet women at a dog party. Then you can talk about the dog and it's about the dog and you can interact, you can interact about the dog instead of interact amongst yourselves and then you get to know each other and then you can take it from there and then you might might feel comfortable to talk about each other but first it has to be the dog 
Then I had another friend that had a baby early on in life. I think he was 19. And so he was walking a stroller of, with his child through a mall. And he said, man, I've had no... I've had more women approach me and want to talk to me now that I have this baby than I ever was when I was trying to talk to women. <laughs> and I, I think that's because women feel that you are safe now. It's about the baby. You're not going to try to hit on me. And women have this anxiety of when they want men to be attracted to them and when they don't want men to be attracted to them. About race. If you are black and you are male, that is a flag that is often seen as perpetrator, which is a problem. <laughs> if you are, uh, it's calling it called being black in public, right? What, what did you do wrong? Oh, I was black in public. And this is a real thing. So you have to fight with society about your skin color and what that skin color says about your personality. If you're small and if you're female, that's automatic victim. I work a lot with homelessness and to be a woman and homeless is a different dynamic because as a woman, you are automatically seen as a victim. And if you are a small woman, you are seen as especially a victim because you're an easy mark. You're not, you're not a, a person that will put up a, a lot of fight necessarily. So you, as a small woman, you have that anxiety going in. And then there's this power dynamic, right? Sometimes we like the power dynamic. We kind of put people up on a pedestal, celebrities or a boss we really appreciate. But sometimes we don't want that power dynamic. Uh, one of the things that threw my students off when I was teaching at universities is I am really good at meeting people at eye level. Again, equal, 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 equal. So I would never be, I did not like this professor dynamic of me above, me professor, you student. However, when I would lower myself, the students would get all weirded out because they didn't know, oh, Glenn, is he cool? He's a, he's a friend, but he's my professor. And and so again, we, we throw these standards in social interaction in order to take away anxieties, but because people come with their own experiences and their own insecurities and their own needs, we end up throwing more anxieties into those social interactions. For me, back, back to the fist bump, I grew up with Super Friends. It was a cartoon show and it had the Wonder Twins and the Wonder Twins would activate every time they got into superpower. I grew up with that. So it's Wonder Twin Powers, activate. So when we started doing the fist bump, that's all I could think of. And I felt so dumb. <laughs> now I think it's playful and I would actually call it out. So if someone would fist bump me, I go, Wonder Twin Powers, activate. And if they grew up with super friends, they knew what I was talking about. They laughed to get the joke. If they didn't, they have no idea what I'm talking about. And I'm a weird guy. <laughs> so again, it's just the, the social interactions uh, we all come with our anxieties. And speaking of my anxieties, so I was saying that I'm, uh, I look like a Nazi serial killer to a lot of people, especially young women. Like, this guy, because they're also afraid, I think, that I'm going to hit on them. 
I've also been working on being dead in the eyes since I say 1992. That means I'm trying to take away that anxiety that women have of, oh, this guy's going to hit on me. So I try not to give any of that, that vibe. But when I was in my twenties, you know, you have this sexual charge in you and, and I was so afraid about making people uncomfortable. So I stopped hugging. I didn't like hugging because when people hug me, I wanted to give them energy. And especially if they're women and I was attracted to them, I gave them a lot of energy and that would throw people off. So was, I don't want that. That, that, that makes people uncomfortable. It makes me uncomfortable. And I, can't sometimes control this energy that comes off of me, especially if I appreciate someone. So I'm just not going to do it. And so my anxiety is always coming to people. I'm not, how can I not make this person uncomfortable? How can I not make this person uncomfortable? And that's what I lead with. So what I started doing is I would do whatever they wanted. But then to do that, I have to be strategically dead in the eyes because I can't have any of my desires or any of my expectations fulfilled. It's whatever they want. And it's kind of a hollow greeting that way. I would rather not touch you at all. I don't need to shake your hand because you may not be a handshaker. You may have sweaty palms and that's your anxiety. I don't want to make you uncomfortable. So how's it going? But then maybe I'm standoffish if you're a, if you're a hugger. And hugging for me also, since I'm tall, I have long arms. And if the person I'm hugging is small, I don't know where my hands go. And sometimes my hands land in some weird places. And then I'm that weird hand guy where I'm touching places I shouldn't be on accident. And uh, it's just no good for me. Yet some people are huggers and they do this hug. They're like side huggers and they just don't ask, especially women take the, what I've noticed is they take the liberty that you're just, you, you, you want me to touch you. You want me to be affectionate towards you. And that's great for a lot of men. I know a lot of men, they say, Glenn, don't tell them that they shouldn't hug us. We like it when they hug, <laughs> hug us. I was like, man, I don't, I don't want that energy. I don't want that, 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 that possibility of making people uncomfortable. But I think also young men enjoy that. And some women enjoy that they enjoy that. And there's this, this need for attention, maybe. There's this also this power dynamic, this sexual power that women have over men that I constantly try to deny. But it's there. It's always there. I can't get rid of it. I was telling a person, I, I've tried to figure out why I am attracted to breasts. It's ridiculous. It has no bearing on anything but it's something biological in me. And I just, every time I've been working at this since 1992, I have to constantly tell the sex drive monster in my head, do not look at her breasts. Do not look at her breasts. It's ridiculous, right? So if I've been working on it since 1992, what's the rest of the world doing? Because you're constantly, I don't think they've been working on it since 1992 to try and lock that sexuality, that interest in female body parts. I, I don't know why that's there, but I don't think they've been trying to lock it away. So they must have a different dynamic. You go back into that Andrew Cuomo thing. So my goal is to not make people uncomfortable. And that's my dynamic. But other people 
have other dynamics. So I am blessed that I feel that I am male and I look very male, right? My, my gender pronoun is, is, is male. I don't have any confusion about that. But I do have a confusion about making sure that people don't think I'm a Nazi serial killer. What I think about has happened with the gender pronoun thing is people that feel one gender and maybe look more another gender or they're trying to work with that and don't quite feel settled in it are asking people to play their gender game, their gender assignment game beforehand, and they're asking everybody to play for play with it so they don't feel uncomfortable. And I think for people that don't have gender issues, it's a game that they don't feel they need to play. They don't understand. This is how I think of it. It would be like me requesting that everybody tell us that they're not a Nazi serial killer and I'm not going to hurt you. Like, hi, my name is Glenn. I'm not a Nazi serial killer. I'm not going to hurt you. I'm actually a nice guy. And then you go, hi, my name is Ron or Faye and I'm a not, I'm not a Nazi serial killer and I'm, I'm really a nice person and, and I'm just here not to make you uncomfortable. Like that's, I think what people that are getting pushback on the the, my gender pronouns are, I think that's where it's coming from. At least that's where it comes from from me. Cause that's not my game. I don't, why I don't care what gender you think I am. And, and I honestly don't because for me, it's always about what you do, not what you are. And even though I'm easily so male, it, to me, it doesn't matter. You could call me female and a lot of my friends do for some reason. So my nickname is a, because I took care of my young, my, my friends in my twenties, my nickname was mom. And then when people meet me because maybe because of the t-shirts and I was into the, the girly girl stuff, they always call me, you know, like little miss prissy britches. It, it, for some reason it's fun to feminize me. Uh, they take my name, Glenn. And they turn it Glendolyn, Glendilocks, anything feminine. That's just, for some reason, people love doing that. Do I love it? I, I don't hate it. I don't love it. It doesn't mean anything to me. So for gender, in my background, it means nothing. For other people, it means everything. You need to recognize that I recognize myself as this. And that has to do with their background and it's completely valid. For them, I don't know why it's valid for me. But we do need to lead with respect. And I think this is where a lot of this is coming from. We're forcing respect because these people are not getting respected. I had a transgender student that wrote a play about being transgender and what it's like even going to the bathroom because you get harassed in both bathrooms and going to the bathroom is human. So you have to do that. And if we do women and men and people feel uncomfortable with you in the women's and uncomfortable with you in the men's, oh my gosh, that's insane. If people are constantly 
thrown off by the way you look. They can't tell if you're male or female. That can be very taxing, I'm sure. Um, but we, that's, being male or female, we, again, we're looking for our flags and we feel settled. Whether or not we like it and we can challenge it, we feel settled knowing about gender. Is this person a man? Is, is this person going to hit on me? Is this person female? Is this person going to make me feel comfortable alone in a room with them? Are they? Do I not feel that? testosterone gender threat do i know who this person is do i know what this background is can i trust this person and so if you fall into these visual flags that makes you more trustworthy if you jump out of them and you're challenging them it it unsettles people for right or for wrong i get that we're challenging it and i understand that we need to challenge it but challenge is its own thing so challenge is the opposite of comfort. So in our social interactions, we need comfort, not necessarily challenge. Because uh, in challenge, it makes it hard. I was listening to a guy that was talking about the gender pronouns and just using they. And he said, I know that we've been taught this male-female thing in our language all of our lives, but you need to just get over it. And I don't think that's the right approach because whenever you tell someone to get over something, it's argumentative and you push them to discomfort. You're challenging them. I think we need to be like salespeople who honestly love engaging with people. They like people. That's why they're good at sales. And I've been learning business for the past six years, so these people are amazing to me. If you're good at sales, you absolutely just love talking to people and are engaged in it. And that's why people feel comfortable purchasing from you because they like, know, and trust you automatically. I think we need to learn from salespeople <laughs> to like humanity first. It's not about your flags. It's no matter what your flags are, you're a human being and we can trust each other. And I think that's where we can become less anxiety ridden about our social interactions. I'd like to hear your thoughts. Thanks. Thanks.